I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, April 7th, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning. Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon. That doesn't fade very well at all, does it? First time I've heard the whole thing. Yeah, well, it uh, usually will trade out a little better than that, but there we go. Again, you're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keene, our research staff in the house, talking about whatever this week. Uh, really going to be a little more technical than normal, not too much planning talk, uh, although we uh, do a whole lot of financial planning, talk about taxes. Uh, all these things matter, but uh, our main focus is on the financial markets and uh investments and and those sorts of things so we're going to talk about that a lot this week and we'll, we'll get kicked off here with uh talking about the stock market yeah been what a we'll bit talk volatile. about this week is how crazy of oh, yeah. a week it's been in the market no doubt um we're up 1.06 percent for the week yeah which pushed <laughs> us back into positive territory for the year for the s p 500 and uh leaders in the week energy up two percent materials up two percent Consumer discretionary, which just doesn't seem to want to go away, up 1.6% this week. Everything's positive. The absolute worst is uh, real estate, which is up uh, 0.13%. But but if you were to look at where where markets were on Monday after the close, it'd be a whole other story. Yeah, the S&P 500 down 2.25%. That's uh, for the week, for the year. That that was for just Monday, the day, Monday. Uh, the Dow was down 1.9%. The NASDAQ was down 2.75%. So technology in one day index is uh, sold off big. Yeah, everything sold off, but it was led by, you know, the biggest decline was in, in the technology sector. But yeah. then, then, like we just said, you look for the week. Now we're up 1.06% on the S&P 500. Yeah, uh, the whole show we're going to pretty much dedicate to what's making the markets more volatile. Um, you know, folks aren't getting too panicky lately, but uh, on some of these specific days, it makes you wonder exactly what is going on. Yeah, if you look at just the past nine trading days, the S&P 500 rose or fell more than 1% on eight different occasions. That's as many times as that happened in the whole year of 2017. Yeah, 2017, I've said it before, uh, longest streak we had was just a few days of selling. Uh, down a total of 2.88% was the worst sell-off we had in 2017. Yeah, it was, it, it was really an anomaly sure. overall. Oh, no I doubt. mean, as far yeah. as we, we like to talk in terms of risk-adjusted returns, and if you think about the volatility that we experienced in 2017, Basically didn't exist. Right. We did over 20%. So it feels like we've got a new regime here. I mean, 
we're talking we're talking where it's feeling more more and more normal to see two three percent moves in either direction. Yeah, yeah, and kind uh, really of strange, really strange. Kind of what led the headlines, dominated the headlines. Well, it, it's been a number of things the past few weeks. You can act like it didn't matter all you want, but the, the Facebook and and the data. Um, the yeah selling selling of data. data that that had an effect on technology stocks it for did. sure. Um, Amazon got the, in the I, action I think, this week. Sure, yeah, yeah. President Trump coming coming out tweeting about Amazon, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and then you have the concerns over trade war, the new tariffs um, with China, and yeah, and the potential for for an eventual uh, trade war. Yeah, uh, Elon Musk got into the mix. Yeah, another was, social media, plenty of social media oh, man. driven action in particular names this week. It's a social world we live in, is it not? Um, it is. You know, we had uh, Elon Musk came out and talked about uh, their their budgeting shortfalls and and uh, you know even made uh, April, April Fool's, Fool's joke. joke of himself. We got a listener question about that a little bit later. Yeah, well, we can deal with it then, I guess. Uh, let's talk a little about economics. Uh, ISM Manufacturing Index this week. Uh, fell from 60.8 in February to 59.3. It's not a huge deal, right? Yeah, still no. well in expansionary territory, and historically speaking, a reading above 60 has never maintained Hell. that that level yeah. for long. Yeah, it's a, it's a fleeting thing, no and, doubt. And, Troy, you know, you know what else is interesting that I caught is the uh, U.S. ISMs are holding on a little stronger than if you look at Europe and yeah, Japan. Yeah, the manufacturing side of things? On both sides. Oh, on really? both sides, Services really. I mean. And that's Hanging pretty interesting, especially when you consider that we're uh, kind of in a, in a tightening. Sure, right. no, absolutely. Right. We're kind of leading the world in that. Yeah, we so, led in the in the uh, easy money as well. Right, we're, and, we're and trying to get it fixed Europe's now. still, you know, going doing their quantitative easing program and hasn't started to tighten yet. So if they're already starting to see some sort of weakening, if that is the case, um, yeah, it's a little uh, discomforting. What, what, yeah, right? what, what happens when they finally do on uh, you know end that program? Yeah. Uh, weekly reading, we got uh, MBA mortgage application survey, and it was uh, negative. Uh, refinancing fell 4.9%, and the purchases uh, decreased by 2.1 for a total index negative 3.3% on the week. And that's a uh, week when you saw mortgage rates decline. It's marginally, you know, not not a sure, significant yeah. decline. But what were the declines? We also, saw? that's it's a holiday week. Uh, Two bases. Does that? I'm not sure if it's, these are seasonally adjusted. Um, yeah, they, I don't think they are. So, so you got to take that in consideration. Sure. The you know Friday, not the, the banks were closed, right? Right. Uh, we did see ISM non-manufacturing. Jacob, you made a comment about this already. Uh, Looks like they softened a bit, but stayed above the trend GDP growth. So uh, refinancing, nope, got the wrong spot there. Uh, composite index fell from 59.5 to 58.8 in March. Uh, details, they said, were generally weaker. Employment index obviously increased. Is there anything about employment that ever declines? It uh, Lately, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it. Uh, you know, we haven't even seen uh, – we've seen a scare or two about wage – Costs increasing, but we really haven't even seen real numbers where wage. You, you know, you say that you say that the, the day before we have a big jobs number well, tomorrow. So uh, yep. maybe that proves different. I don't think the expectation is for that, but uh, no, what are could, expectations could like over ninety thousand something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I don't know we're what still we, at what a four point one percent unemployment been there for rate. For a while, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Uh, factory orders we saw. Uh, Earlier weakness uh, was temporary, so, you know, a little bit of a, a rebound return. in new orders, adding 1.2%. Yeah. 
right? Uh, shipments also gained 1.4%, and that gives us a 12-month streak for that particular piece of the uh, underlying piece of factory orders. So uh, really, all things considered, not too bad. Um, jobless claims, here we go again, Nick. Yeah, rose 24,000, actually. So you're saying that. Uh, Nothing negative, but this isn't. This isn't. Yeah, this is a weekly still, number. Uh, right. And the four-week moving average was uh, up 3,228,250 uh, on the total. It's still, I mean, these are just minor It's movement. not much movement. It's not, not much at movement. all. You're but, right. But like, but like we've talked about, Troy, that is something that, that is uh, a key indicator for us. I mean, oh, if absolutely. we do see a reversal there, that's when we would start to, you know, be a little concerned, but there's still plenty of strength in the job market. Yep, no doubt. Um, we watch it pretty close, too. You know, so, what, uh, one thing I want to say, you know, as far as the economic releases go this week, um, obviously Jacob and I aren't on the show every week, so I don't go through here like I do when I'm prepping for the show and highlight, you know, what's good, what's what's bad. But I feel like more more weeks than not, the, the, the data is generally positive. Um, yeah, And has this been. is kind of a blah week. Right. Yeah, Not, nothing's uh, been you right, know, right. really positive that you're like, oh, you know, a lot more of the same. It's just been kind sure. of a, eh, you know, nothing great, nothing awful. Yep. It's kind of an in-between week. Well, it kind of feels like the market mood right now, yeah, waiting yeah, for absolutely. that jobs report. Yeah, And that very well could be, you know, we're looking for, for the next uh, big piece of economic news. Uh, but, I mean, you know, all things considered, we haven't seen... We're not seeing negatives. The fundamentals no. of the economy are, are yeah, and I'm not at all. I don't at all say that in, in, intending to make it seem like the the economic picture is souring at all. I'm just saying it's Boring. typically yeah, exactly yeah. It's not much, nothing exciting not much that, that would drive the market action that we've seen. International trade, we did see the uh, deficit widen. Um, that's a nine year high, and, and and actually, that's something that uh, I believe affected that. Uh, ISM services report too. We saw a drag in net exports. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of an interesting context here because I feel like we're talking trade tariffs. We're talking, uh, basically our, our, our president was running on a platform of reducing the deficit. And now we're seeing, you know, steady right. increases here. Sure. So yeah, I mean, you talk about his platform and we'll talk more about that later, but I mean, isn't, isn't, uh, I mean, Jacob, you you and I had a conversation earlier this week, and it, I think you put it probably as well as I've heard anybody put it. It seems like the market heard the parts about his platform and his expectations for change. Uh, they heard the ones they wanted to hear, right. and uh, they ignored the rest. Right. And uh, there is no economist on earth that's going to tell you, oh, yeah, tariffs are awesome. Let's go do that. And, uh, you know, you have that kind of news break, and what do you see in the market? Is, is it any surprise? Yeah, now that Not the action's finally coming, uh, maybe the market got a little ahead of itself and is readjusting at this point to say, oh, there's a whole other side of the picture that we've been ignoring. Yeah, and I think that's just one piece of uh, some of the cause of uh, the, the uh, volatility we've seen lately. Sure. Uh, We'll get back. We'll talk a lot about that in the coming segment. Y'all stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. All right, guys, Dog of the Week this week is uh, literally 
a dog of the week. Uh, don't know if you've heard, but uh, she did a interview with Variety magazine. The, Barbara the Streisand. Dog did? Oh, I thought the dog Barbara did an interview. Barbara Streisand. Confused. Wherein she talked about the fact that she has spent good money to clone her dog, which um, you know might not seem too strange for some people. I guess dog uh, cloning brings up. I, I'd like I didn't to even know that was I'd like to meet some people who dog cloning is not strange to. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, she has a dog. Let me try to pronounce the type of dog. It's a Coton du Toulier. Mm, sounds French. It is a French dog. It looks like a poodle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot fancier than a poodle. But, Clearly, uh, based they're on known the name. to be they're known to be good family pets. Uh, she uh, says that she just took a swab from the dog's mouth and uh, was able to get it cloned. So into successfully two new dogs. cloned two. So now she has three of the same dog. Uh, essentially, well, I, I'm not sure if her original dog is still around, but yeah, she's got she's got a new dog, and. Uh, do you let's, wonder just exactly see, how see. much? Show me this picture, wonder, please. Do you wonder just how much a cloned dog? How how much getting your dog cloned might cost? A sickening hmm. amount. Hmm. Yeah. Let me let me let's, just guess. Just guess. Yeah. I have Come no on, basis guys. for this. I mean, this is a closest without going about, over me and you. This is All a right. show about finance and um, how much people might spend. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Ooh ooh. I, right. I think I'll t- I think I'll definitely take that. My guess would probably be like three hundred thousand. Wow, wow! You guys would spend wow. a whole lot more money than she did. Fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand. Oh, wow. Bargain price. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in fact, what I found strange is if you want to get a cat cloned, yeah. it's only half that much. Oh, okay. Twenty-five thousand really? dollars. That's a bargain. Here's the issue. Uh, based on my little bit of research before I came on and started talking about this. I don't think you can use just a swab in a dog's mouth to get this done. It's kind of a process. I thought she to, said that's what she did. That's what she said. Uh, maybe maybe it's something else. I, I'm not sure what she went through. But uh, based on what I read, you actually have to puncture the skin of the dog. You get individual cells from the dog uh, that you want to be cloned. You also have to then get the... Uh, Get uh, eggs from another living dog or multiples. Uh, you then implant them into a third dog that what is the is surrogate. Happening? Yeah, it's a process. Fifty grand for all this. So uh, wait, so it, if it, you're using the really eggs from another dog, then it can't. It's not an exact clone, right? That doesn't really sound like cloning. Well, also these dogs are like. Fluffy white dogs. I feel fairly certain I could find the same. Big, like, oh, I right. cloned your dog. A, hey, you know what? Now you're now <laughs> you're touching like on. Send the DNA here's test the thing. Away. I mean, most people who know very much about Barbara Streisand understand that she is very much um, a liberal individual, and I'm sure that Bob Barker would probably bolero her, choke her, who knows what, if he knew that she went out and spent all that money to get a new dog when there's so many dogs in kennels. Wasn't it his spay and neuter right. thing? I mean, he talked about yep. it all the time. It, it just seems really strange to me that she would be out there spending 50 grand on getting two dogs for her one dog, and she says that, uh, you know, she's not sure exactly how they're going to turn out, but their personalities are significantly different. And yeah, see, I mean, and that's the just, thing that gets back to cloning me. I'm like, that's then it's not <laughs> yeah, I don't, in my mind. Right. 
Because well, I, I was thinking, I was thinking you could like clone Sea Biscuit or something, and you, exactly you know, cash in on the races. Cash in Sea Biscuit. Fifty fifty G's turn that in a few million. Yeah, in a few well, races. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's there's the thing. But I think probably the biggest thing that most folks would have a problem with, and I hadn't heard anything out of Pedo in this, but uh, surely they're gonna speak up at any given moment. But um, just oh, seems sure. really strange that she would spend that kind of money to do exactly that. I'm sure to her that's not. A whole heck of a lot. Well, so. maybe not, but uh, I mean, even even if it's not a whole heck of a lot, I mean, you could imagine a thousand things a good charity could do with fifty grand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, enough dog talk. Let's uh, move on. Um, we talked a lot of, earlier in the show about market decline, volatility, and uh, you know, isn't it strange that uh, we worry about volatility when it goes against the markets and not so much when we're making money. Nobody stands around wringing their hands because they made too much money in the stock market, right? Sure. It's only when uh, when you see big declines like the 2.5% we saw on a single day this week um, that uh, that people start talking volatility. But, uh, you know, we've, we've already hit on a few of these. Really, the one that seems to be kicking off most of the grief is the tariff, right? It seems as if we might be getting in the middle of a trade war, tariff war with uh, China most specifically, but it's also catching up a lot of other folks, a lot of other countries and, and their practices in the middle of it. And uh, I think the retaliation the retaliation, sorry, that we saw from China is, uh, is what really seems to be causing the biggest downturns the, in the market. The thing I think about uh, when I consider, you know, China firing back on us with their own tariffs is who can sustain it long? Who's going who's gonna to suffer the bigger impact in this situation? And, and I think it's, it's probably going to be China. Well, I mean, the country that – I guess if, Export, it, if, the, we the were, if we were reliant on the goods from China, meaning that if they were foodstuffs or things that we couldn't replace elsewhere – I think China re- relies on us much more, uh, you know, buy, buying their products and, and importing their products than we do, uh, right. you know, exporting well, or a lot of that stuff we, we potentially could get from other countries. Right. But no matter what, I mean, a trade war doesn't benefit either country sure, right. or sure. anyone that's in the middle I, of it. I think it's a difficult I think it's a difficult equation overall, because I think from an economic perspective, China w- would be hurt more. But we do have more developed capital markets. So if you talk about targeting individual companies and pressuring the stock market like it feels like china's been able to do of late and you you have uh kind of an administration that has been using the stock market as their scoreboard then you know how much of an effect does that have you know to maybe back off you know some of the pressure that we've put on them it seems like they were pretty aggressive with their counterpunch in putting those tariffs on soybeans yep. when there's not even enough supply in the rest of the world <laughs> Right. In, in soybeans, the, I mean, U.S. is the dominant, like, that's their number one agricultural export. Right. Well, I, I, and that's the thing that's really interesting to me is, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to put a tariff on aluminum and steel, 25% on the steel, 10% on the aluminum. It's nothing that it, you know, it's not a life or death issue for for the the people of China. In fact, you know, we don't even buy that much of it from them specifically. Uh, but when when they uh, do have uh, heightened prices uh, or, or rather lower prices, what you wind up seeing is 
you know, they can sell it elsewhere and it impacts the overall global trade. But again, you know, they, they put uh, their immediate action uh, or counteraction, I guess you'd call it at this point, um, was to, to hit agricultural things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they did hit soybeans initially. Uh, they also talked about fruits and various other uh, things that they import from us, um, probably because it's, it's one of those things that they buy in big quantities. Well, I think, I think another part of the strategy is if you think about the states that are affected by that, they're mainly states that voted for Trump. So well, they know midterm elections are coming up. Oh, yeah. If you can hit the Midwest, which is his stronghold, um, yeah. you know, maybe there's some political. I think what's I, I think what's uh, what's interesting to me is I I don't know about you guys, but I don't really have an idea of what the end game is from D.C. right now. And and I've seen, you know, interviews. Uh, uh, it seemed like Cudlow the other day was actually trying to ease the market look like. This is a negotiation negotiation tactic. We are free traders as an administration, but we don't really know what they're. Tra- is it is it mainly focused on you know IP? Is it like is it actually a trade issue? Do you guys have any? Well, no, I but think- I, but that is a topic that has become more and more popular. Is as you just said, it's it being an IP issue. And and, and we and mean I- intellectual property, so like patents and stuff. The violation of patents. It's like and and look at what kind of. Sp- spurred a lot of this obviously you know the talk is is something that trump ran on but if you look at when he blocked the the merger or the uh, between right. uh, qualcomm and um broadcom and broadcom, broadcom right um it's I, I feel like that's where things really kicked off the tensions right yeah, well, that was that was a lot of it i i think it was probably just timing i think if you look he's probably got a list of things he, he's made campaign sure. promises he got the first couple out of the way you know, he, he got uh, um, tax reform. Uh, part one. Try, well, part one, I guess. What, whatever part two is going to yeah, be, I'm not sure. we'll see. Uh, but then he's just moved on. This is this is the next step on the list. So uh, it, it shouldn't be a huge surprise to us that this is coming. But you guys touched on something. Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow has never been a fan of tariffs. He even right. talked about it before he was sure. named uh, his economic advisor. And now he's in the uncomfortable position to have to sell this whole concept as, right. you know, Jacob, you right. pointed out, this is a negotiation tactic. I truly believe that is the case, that he's just using this to get some change. Nobody's ever checked China on some of the things that they do no. on global you trade. You can still buy $20 fake Nike shoes from oh, <laughs> Alibaba right. pretty Allegedly. easily. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, cover this more in depth. um, And let's talk about some of that administration change. You're listening to Money Talks. When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. 
When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keene. After, uh, uh, after that intro, do we need to go ahead and take another break? Uh, <laughs> well, it is quite long, but I was thinking, you know, given our talk about tariffs, maybe sure. there's been tariffs on butter in Bangladesh. Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, the – uh, Chance you take when you it's a slippery don't slope, get too so to speak. How about uh, that slippery I see. The butter, slope? I see what you did there. Good morning. Yeah. No doubt. Um, so you know some of the companies we've seen that uh, are in those industries have actually benefited. The steel industry, you know, we saw those stock prices rise. Um, Look it up. Have, then you've got on the other side, you got like Boeing. Yeah, got well, hit hard. Yeah, but they haven't really – I think they rebounded pretty quick because they haven't been discussed specifically. The theory is that the Chinese, who have been buying lots of airplanes lately uh, – so They'll switch over to will, Airbus. Will, yeah, I mean they have other options, right? Yeah, and, and I think Boeing's even come out and said, hey, you know, we want to we wanna meet with the president. We want to meet with China and, and discuss – yeah. What's going on here, obviously. Right. Well, usually they'll uh, – the way that both sides have been doing this is they talk about the tariffs and then they give like 28 days to to uh, have hearings and, and listen to what uh, their people uh, – the, the will of their people, and then they make the final decision. Uh, it just so happens that – Nobody's blinked. It's like the it's like the pre boxing fight press yeah. conference. Yeah, exactly. Right. They haven't actually fought yet. <laughs> they're just and saying when, what they're going to do to each other. When do these take place? Like, has there been any timeline discussed on any of this? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's it's more just submit your opinion. Yeah. Kind of uh, approach, but uh, I, you know, I said it before the break. Larry Kudlow, um, he's new. Right. We we uh, lots of turnover. And oh, yeah. and when it was announced that his predecessor was stepping down, the market actually got a little bit volatile that day as yeah, well. Yeah, sure. I mean, how can you not? How, when when have we ever had this much turnover? Yeah, um, we've got what twenty two new cabinet six members. Six fired, sixteen resigned. Well, yeah. and that's just in you know a, a year and three, four, five months. I mean, do I make the easy joke here that we saw? I'm on The Apprentice. And You're right. He well, was finding somebody over. like once a week. It yeah. just carries over. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would be a pretty easy setup. Uh, but, I mean, that that is another source, although I don't think it's the main source of uh, volatility in the market. Uh, you think about basic economic indicators, and, and uh, we went through some of these earlier in the show. Uh, they don't really give you heartburn, right? No, the, no. The, the fundamentals seem solid. Absolutely, the economic picture as a whole still—that's the one thing you can't—you can't blame the volatility on. Yeah, we still have expectations: 2.7 percent GDP growth in 2018, 2.4 in 2019, maybe two flat in 2020. Uh, last number we got 2. was 2.9. Yeah, I mean, unemployment's low as we spoke about. Right. Manufacturing and services sectors look strong. Yeah. Uh, Oil and gas is not very expensive, although we have seen gas prices at the pump rise a little bit lately. Uh, You know, um, the the basic economic indicators that we watch most closely uh, are supportive of growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
other thing is, how about market valuation? Now, I've talked about this quite a bit, and in this volatility, as well as during a time when we've seen earnings grow pretty significantly, fourth quarter earnings for the S&P 500 were up over 14%, about 14 and a half. Uh, at the same time, you have this volatility, the market pulls back. Uh, we're still just shy of 30% premium if you just look at the trailing price-to-earnings right. ratio. So forward-looking looks a little more attractive. And we actually, Jacob and I had this conversation just a little while ago. I said to him, you know, on a forward basis, the market trades 17 times earnings, you know, it's really come down a lot. And he, he says, yeah, that's based on 30% earnings growth. Yeah. And that's the thing that, I looked that, at that we today, talked about Nick. earlier. I have it right here. 29.2%, yeah. I think it was and, today. S&P right. 500 expectations for the next And I just don't see months. that happening. It's unbelievable. I mean, 14.5% in the fourth quarter was pretty good. And I that's mean, what I, they're expecting for Q1, so we'll right. start seeing those numbers trickle in here in the coming but, weeks. I mean, we're talking about double that. I know. In a in a 12-month span. So what have we got? We, If you ask me, we've got ourselves set up for a potential disappointment. We, Our expectations are still really high. Now, the impact to tax reform is the huge unknown right. there. Yeah, and I think if you take a step back, I mean, it kind of all makes sense. We've got a lot of question marks here. Everything looks pretty positive overall, but I mean, the range of outcomes, I mean, if you're, if you're an analyst, if you're in this market trying to make decisions, there's a, there's a good bit of uncertainty. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, no if doubt. you're talking about we're getting away from what's been a steady trend and trying to maybe have this expansionary fiscal policy at the same time you have a contractionary monetary policy, you've got <laughs> tariffs, you've got um, a lot of different things going on overall. So it's kind of hard. I mean, We've got a 30% earnings start. I wouldn't be shocked if we beat it. I wouldn't be shocked if we missed it. Right. I mean, there, there's right. no telling. There's right. no telling. No doubt. Really. Well, Jacob, you brought up a good point. How about tightening? Uh, we've got the Fed doing two things right now to tighten uh, in, in monetary policy. We've right. got rates increasing, which, you know, they've been widely announced and expected. Um the market's still giving us an expectation in June. In June, we'll see another, probably in September, another. And then at last time I looked, and it's been a week or so, uh, you know, I didn't see anything until maybe early 2019. So maybe two more this year. But in the background, Shrinking something else is going sheet. on. So when they shrink that balance sheet, that's a, that's a tightening, a, a different form of tightening. We haven't seen that before. And uh, that, to me, actually adds to those unknowns that you just mentioned. Right. And those are the ones, when you've never seen something before, those are the, the kind that actually scare me most. So what is quantitative tightening? Nick, you already mentioned it. It's basically... Reducing the size of the balance sheet. Yeah, and the way they're doing that is allowing uh, those bonds that they purchased during quantitative easing. They were they were uh, a buying force, uh, creating demand, which... Uh, uh, drove prices higher on bonds and drove their yields lower. They wanted the lower yields, and that's the way that they were able to do it once we got to basically zero uh, on the overnight lending rate. The only piece that they could manage beyond that, or at least the one that they went to, was uh, you know go to a market-related way to uh, lower interest rates. So in doing just the opposite, we're doing the, just the opposite to the yield on, on those bonds, right? We've While we're not selling which would be worse, uh, at least the demand that we were creating is gone. So, uh, you know, we've got interest rates now seeming to rise until we have these fits of volatility, and then we right. see 
everybody do the old flight to safety trick, right? You sell off your equities real quick and you buy some bonds so that you protect your your uh, asset values on the downside. Um, but that hasn't been working perfectly either. No, no. Quite no. often we've seen both sell off. And that's we what we saw. when we saw our first bit of volatility this year. That's exactly what happened. Right. We've we've had what was a pretty nice inverse relationship between equities and bonds for you know decades now, and we're starting to see some of that reverse of late. And I think it's to do with the expansionary fiscal, fiscal policy, the the Fed tightening, and and to be quite honest, I feel like the Fed was kind of in a wait and see mode. But now that we have, you know, tax reform and it feels like the economy is heating up a little bit, a lot of investors are asking, well, does the Fed get aggressive? And it, it, it is a scary market to be in bonds now. I yeah, mean, right. It's not as it doesn't feel as comfortable going out, you know, 10, 30 years on on these bonds. And and to boot, you've got you've got LIBOR up, you know, more more than the Fed funds rate. Uh, lately, so any company that's operating on kind of a revolving credit, you know, LIBOR plus a spread, vero rate, a lot of that, that's the cost definitely of tightening the credit environment overall. Absolutely. Yeah, their cost of borrowing, as you said, Nick, is increasing and potentially at a time. I mean, if we did see some, some uh, juice in the economy uh, because, uh, you know, the tax reform took off, we could see inflation under these cert- certain uh, circumstances as well. So uh, all things considered, it's it's just a really strange time. Uh, I made the case for a long time that uh, fiscal policy was, uh, was so difficult for corporations that uh, the only thing that was saving it was monetary policy. Now we seem to be getting juice on the fiscal side, uh, to some degree, in some ways, and and we're actually getting monetary policy that's slowing things down. So, um, you know, when you when you look at what's going on, it doesn't seem like the two are working in tandem for sure. And and who knows which is going to win out? And like I say, even when you just look at fiscal policy, it looks as if you know many of the uh, the enacted details that we're seeing, like tax reform, are beneficial to the economy and economic growth. And yet, when you, uh, you you take a little bit, it you take a little bit of a step back, and you see tariffs. Well, that's not beneficial at all. Right. Let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap this up and uh, answer a few questions. You're listening to Money Talks. We're back. Money talks. Talking about economics, stock market, all kind of fun things to discuss. If you're an analyst geek like the three of us that are on here, I'm uh, Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keene. I've uh, been talking about the economy, the strange goings on. Uh, we do have a few questions we'd like to answer. Let me throw out a number and a way you can get in touch with us. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them and answer them online uh, or on the air, rather. Uh, our question hotline number is one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. If you have a question, you can call in, leave a recorded question. We will play it on the air and answer the question right behind it. Uh, If you want personal help or you'd like to speak to a human, you can call us at 770-429-9166. 
And then uh, you can email us your questions at drgene at hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, if you'd like to see some of the pre-canned answers that we have, you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled in the same manner, and uh, get those there. So, uh, Jacob, going back and forth, it sounds like, you know, we might be chasing our tail. So, Let's uh, let's put a bow on it. Now, how do we act in a in a market like this? Right, right. Well, I, I guess overall, if you're asking about volatility, I, we're not seeing any sort of economic breakdown here. Um, that could change in the future, but for right now, stay the course. I uh, agree. If you don't have any liquidity needs, definitely stay the course. If you do, make sure you <laughs> are taking care of that, getting right. the cash that you need. If you've got something right. inside ten years. Try and stay diversified. Go ahead and rebalance. is a great opportunity to sure. see what everything's look like. Yeah, those tech stocks that ran away with everything last year, yeah. up 38%. Uh, it would be a great time to take a little uh, off the top of those. You know, it might cause you a little bit of tax anguish, but uh, uh, long term, it's really the best way to do. Make yeah. sure that you follow your strategy. And as you said, liquidity, and by that we mean known spending needs. If you have those uh, we never recommend that they be uh, at risk in the market. The market is generally a volatile place, although we haven't seen a whole lot of it until just over the last couple of months. So, um, well, guys, let's move on. We got some questions here. We got a listener question from uh, Lloyd from Bla uh, Brookhaven. He says, uh, I'll admit it, I've been following Trump's issues with Amazon using USPS on Twitter uh, more than the news. I don't think it's bad that Amazon uses the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, Amazon's going to ship the cheapest method possible. It's business, right? Uh, he's just mad because another businessman, Bezos, got the better deal. So why is everyone so upset? So Nick, you got an idea on that? Yeah, it appears Amazon's kind of like the target of the month for Donald Trump on Twitter. Comes yeah. out, you know, gets that stock. Right. Moving to the downside, obviously. But the whole thing kind of, as I read into it, almost came full circle to me, and, and it, it's kind of laughable. So the, the U.S. Postal Service can only charge what Congress allows, and they require uh, approval to push through any sorts of increases. At the same time, they're under pressure on, you know, to maintain certain post offices, so they can't just close down a post office because it's not profitable. Right. Um, you know, senators are going to push back on that. Got to have service. Exactly. So the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act of 2006 requires that the Postal Service, which receives no tax, taxpayer subsidies, to pre-fund its retirees' health benefits for 75 years into the future. This covers the health costs of employees not yet hired and, in a lot of cases, not even born yet. This is a $5 billion per year cost. Without this one obligation, the post office would actually turn a profit. Wow. So it's funny to me that one of the main reasons that it operates at a loss is the government's fault. It's, it's, it's a government-mandated sure. program that drives them in, in, into negative territory. Right. Well, just in that one particular aspect. But the other one that you talked about is kind of a, a restriction on the top line, the, the amount of revenue that the Postal Service can actually charge. And I totally understand the, the aspect there where, you know, there are certain uh, geographic locations that are not going to be as profitable sure. no matter what. And in order to um, make it uh, make it all work out, you can't run the price up on the poor. I'm sure, sure. that's what makes the, perfect sense. The, well, the government officials are saying. But, but what it are does the seem specifics, like what are the specifics of the Amazon deal? Because 
it seems, so here's seems like I was reading it was like a $2 per parcel flat fee, and they were even doing deliveries on Sunday in which they had to pay workers overtime. So he, like, here's double time, right? Right. Here's the numbers that I do have. Package delivery was one of the few bright spots in the most recent year end for the U.S. Postal Service. Um, it rose 20, it accounted for 28% of revenue and, and that's about $19.5 billion. Deals with private shippers like Amazon, uh, accounted for five, uh, about 7 billion of that 19.5 billion. Now, the U.S. Postal Service does negotiate a discounted rate for services with Amazon, but it does this for all bulk shippers. So Amazon's not necessarily getting any sort of favorable treatment. And right. another thing is, in that same uh, act that I mentioned earlier, they cannot agree to any sort of contract that is not at least break even for the U.S. Postal Service. So for Donald Trump to come out and say that they're costing the, the U.S. Postal Service money, it's technically not accurate. They're not operating at a loss. They're not losing money. Well, the way the that business. we've heard this reported is the final mile is the most expensive, and and bridging that gap, the postal service has been the one operator, at least you know the one that's most visible, right. who's been willing to go ahead and and uh, make bridge that gap. You don't see a lot of uh, like UPS or some of those guys while they do deliver packages to your door. Uh, UPS. Uh, is is a competitor at this point of the U.S. Postal sure. Service. So, if uh, if in fact that is something that Mr. Bezos has identified as uh, something that he can benefit from, that uh, the Postal Service will do it cheaper than UPS or FedEx, then why in the world would you fault him for doing that? I think really, if there is a problem and uh, Donald Trump is in charge, then fix it. Well, so I want to I touch on two more things real quick, and one of them kind of goes towards him needing to fix the issue. First off, um, now for bulk services, the po- Postal Service is charging below market rate. It says the average parcel ships for $1.46 below market rate, and that's not just the Amazon. They don't break down the individual uh, bulk shippers, but overall – uh, they're shipping for below market rate, so a change needs to be made there. But you're you, saying you guys will market love this. rate, so how does how does that? I, I would assume that they're to going identify? to. I, I would think so, but I don't know if you're comparing to uh, the likes of uh, UPS and FedEx, some of the others, yeah. Right, but you guys will love this part. The U.S. Postal Service seems to have some organizational issues as well. It's led by a postmaster general and a deputy who are selected by a bipartisan board of nine governors. These nine governors are chosen by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Right now, all nine seats are empty. All nine seats are empty and okay. have been since 2015. In fact, the last time the board actually had uh, nine members uh, at all was 2010. So it's it's like this committee has just been pushed to the side and forgotten about. So how are you going to come out here and attack Amazon? <laughs> well, yeah, when your organization when governing is body. not organized. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's that's a it is it is a it is March. Well, it's April now. It is it is April now, so it sounds like time for Trump to draft a fantasy baseball team. You said nine members, right? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> figure out who figure out who the stud pitcher is right. going to be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it it wouldn't take a whole lot. It doesn't seem to uh, uh, focus on the true problem and not attack industry. I mean, you know, whether you like Trump or not, I think sometimes his um, his methods are uh, are a bit askew, and the fact that you have to do this on Twitter. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Really? Anyway. Very it's entertaining. It is. I mean, <laughs> it's entertaining. I'll... I mean, while, while we're on, we don't have a lot of time left, but while we're on the topic of Trump and his social media, I mean, why not just address the other the other one from this week? Uh, social, social media. media. Yeah. Social media. Related, related. stories. Um, on April Fool's Day, Elon Musk came out and, and 
tweeted uh, an April Fool's joke. It says, uh, Tesla goes bankrupt, Palo Alto, California, April 1st, 2018. Despite intense efforts to raise money, including a last-ditch uh, mass sale of Easter eggs, we were sad to report that Tesla has gone completely and totally bankrupt. So bankrupt you can't believe it. Oh, wow. And he's catching all kind of well, black he had that pictures now. on his on his Twitter. Right. He was tweeting out with him with a car behind him and yeah. all these other things. Yeah, their their Model Three is that that's the one that they've been trying production to production issues. Yeah, yeah they've they could, had production issues. They've had funding issues. What they go through about a billion dollars a month is what it's been reported. It's so you have analysts coming out and saying you, you shouldn't tweet like that when we actually do have concerns uh, exactly. with your cash position needing yeah. to raise. Don't make a mockery of your your serious business. Right. I, you know, it's it's kind of. Uh, Elon Musk in a nutshell. Well, the though, big right? pr- the big problem they had is they took on all that debt from uh, uh, from Solar, Solar City. Yeah, Solar City. And I'm yeah. looking at Solar City bonds, and they're at, trading at 85 cents on the dollar, and that's what everyone's concerned about. Right. Yeah. So the the debt backing them is a little bit questionable. Now you have a CEO that's coming on. All right, guys. Next week, what are we saying? Market up or down? Quick. Up. Up. How about that? Three ups. Take care. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.